0: Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Ben Cecil. Ben is a rock star at storytelling through video. As founder of UPG Video, he's produced engaging content for a long list of elite clientele, such as Intel, Samsung, Texas Parks and Wildlife, Grande Communications, the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, Merck, and many others of all shapes and sizes. He's a leader, a creator, a dad, and an all-around great dude. <laughs>
1: this, I've never I've never had an introduction okay. like that. And by the way, just real quick to correct a little bit, I was kind of one of the founders, so kind of a co-founder of UPG. That's so correct. There's some pretty important people that helped us along the way.
0: So Absolutely. I'm glo- so glad you said that because we're definitely going to get into that as yep. we go forward. Before we get into that, though, tell me a little bit about Ben. How did you get into video to begin with?
1: Um, I, I To be honest, um, just kind of growing up um, as a child of the 80s and early 90s, Camcorders became cheap. Camcorders became available, and so I kind of just always had one that I could grab. My, my, you know, my, um, you know, my father um, and a lot of people in my family were early adopters when it came to technology, and so video cameras were always around, and we goofed off with them, and uh, um, and I'm still goofing off with them today. So it's it's that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did go to the University of Texas, uh, you know, and, and and went through their radio, television, film program. Um, but I don't know how much that actually helped. <laughs> really? So, um, no, I mean, it's, I, I didn't even, you know, they have what they call the production sequence or the open sequence back then when production sequence is more intense, it's more film. Um, I didn't do that. I did the open sequence, which is much more business, much more operations of media businesses and, uh, how things, uh, how things get funded. So that kind of a thing. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I did it. But, um. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the son of, of, you know, divorced parents, you know, I kind of looked at my, look at my childhood as, as lots of polar opposites, lots of, you Mm -hmm. know, pretty interesting dynamics. My, you know, my mom is a, you know, an, an old school Ann Richards, you know, Democrat, you know, um, you know, who marched on Washington a few times and all those things. My dad is a atheist Reaganite. Wow. And so it was like this thing, and of course, hey, they they got divorced, shocker. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, so not only that, but when they got divorced, you know, when I was about eight or nine, my mom moved to the country, my dad stayed in the city. Well I bounced back and forth here and there throughout my childhood until I graduated high school. And so I Sometimes lived out in the country for a few years, and sometimes in the city. Mm-hmm. And so, again, there's this, 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 there's this kind of polar opposite dynamic that was at play uh, throughout my childhood. And, and it's, it was, it's the older I get, the more and more I'm, I'm uh, I could see the, the, uh, the value in that. And I'm glad that I, that's what I did.
0: Oh, that's awesome, so. and that's wonderful that you're seeing. I know that divorce is its own challenge, and a lot of people. Um, you know, wonder and and are afraid to talk to their kids about it. Or they see that there's like life is destroyed (laughs) when a divorce happens, but there's, there's so much opportunity that can be um, seen in that when you look back. Um, Absolutely. So being, you know, city mouse, country mouse in, and in those times, do you, are you drawn more to one or the other now? Yes.
1: Yes, I am. Uh, So my wife also, she was out, you know, I've technically, I guess you could say I've known my wife since I was in seventh grade, maybe even earlier. I didn't know that I knew her. She knew that I was on the bus because we were the same bus Mm -hmm. as kids out in the country. So she grew up K through 12 out there. I was only out there half the time. Nowadays, I wish we would move to the country. Mm -hmm. She, her response to that is, I spent my whole life in the country. I'm done with that. Mm -hmm. And so- yeah, I'm. I'm more partial to, uh, you know, the quiet country landscapes. But, uh, you know, you know, my wife is, is more partial to the suburbs and the city, I and mean, I love that too. Mm-hmm. So,
0: well, yeah. and you've got your business that you, you run, and, and right now that's kind of uh, kind of a city mouse thing.
1: It really is. <laughs> it absolutely is.
0: So then you went to UT, and uh, from there you found yourself in the newsroom. How did you get that job?
1: Yeah. Well, so what was that like? You know, like a lot of people who were graduated college around 2000, 2001, we had kind of some pretty ambitious plans of what we we're going to do after graduation. And then the tech bubble burst, mm-hmm. and so a lot of opportunities that were going to be there were not um, I'm sure even people now there's no tech bubble but you know busting every year but it's still the same case it's like I thought I was going to do this but that wasn't there so I had to figure out something everything's
0: changing so quickly it is
1: and so there were there was a, a couple of options i actually my first job in my industry that i got after i graduated college was actually with a hunting and fishing show mm. and i hated it um i didn't hate it. i mean i like at the outdoors and we'll get into that and that's a big part of my life but but i just didn't like working on that show and some of the people weren't that weren't my kind of people. Um so I you know, so I, I left that but I I was like, What else is there? Mm-hmm. And it was um, you know, this was shortly after nine eleven and so the you know, the 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 role that the T V news was playing in my life was new to me. I didn't watch the news in college really. Um, you know, and I didn't have a lot of appreciation for it. But after nine eleven, um, I did gain an appreciation of, of the role that live, you know, live news, um, you know, could play in our lives. And so I, I, you know, I decided, Hey, look, I was going to look at some TV jobs, you know, some local TV news jobs. And, um, I ended up in Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. I was their, uh, morning show producer. So I worked the graveyard shift and then eventually, uh, got promoted to the five o'clock news, which is great. Cause I couldn't, I can't handle that graveyard shift shift stuff. It's, it's pretty tough living. Um, yeah, and then I was there and was the five o'clock news producer in Corpus Christi um, at the ABC station. Tried to convince my, f- you know, then future wife to move down there. She's like, No, 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 I live in Austin. Mm-hmm. You come up here, and mm-hmm. so I did. I mm-hmm. got a job at the ABC station in Austin and uh, stayed there for about eight years, and then transitioned from the newsroom to, you know, as a news writer and news pro- news newscast producer. Transitioned from that to uh, create what's called creative services, which is the branding and promotions um, and, you know, marketing side of, 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 of that business. So, Mm -hmm. um, it was great. Yeah. And the last, last job I had in that, in the, in the TV station world was, you know, I was the brand manager for, um, you know, for the NBC station. Um, I think back in 08 when I left the news Mm -hmm. business, that was that I was, I was, I was very unhappy. I really felt like the product was slipping. I felt like I didn't believe in the product anymore and I think that's at the heart of a lot you know of a lot of what all of us have to deal with, which is whether you're you know a salesperson for a company or for a brand or you're in their brand management promotions, you're the marketing director, the CEO. If you don't believe in the product, it should make it harder to work there. It should mm-hmm. um, and I didn't I lost you know kind of my f- kind of faith in that you know, the public service aspect of local TV news. Mm. Um, and a lot of that's not necessarily, um, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of great people that were that, are, that were trying to do great public service and great journalism and, and really trying to bring something to people that they thought they needed. There were great people who did it then when I was there, and there still, are, still is a, 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 a amazing people doing this today. But I think the business aspects of it prevent it from being – um, from being too much of a public service. I mean, it's a product, you know, mm-hmm. they got to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need advertisers, you've got to do these things. And so, and I understand that, but eventually I felt like just from a, um, you know, from my own, um, you know, my own beliefs in kind of what I, be- you know, what I believed in, what I appreciated, I, I kind of just, the, the it was a little bit of a, the fit wasn't there anymore. And so I decided to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that's that's kind of where the where the UPG story kind of begins.
0: Mm-hmm. So is that where you met your business partner where you started UPG Video? Well,
1: there's actually two business. So there, so the you know, two guys back at the ABC station that I worked with for several years. Um, they were on the news side. They were one was a a, a TV news reporter and one was a photojournalist. Um, and I'd known those guys for years. Worked with them. Uh, worked side by side with them um and uh they had as as my as i as i as my journey i felt like it was coming to an end in the tv news business they had already just left and decided to start a video business uh you know on their own and um and it was it was actually called unlimited production group Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they actually, st- it was, it was intended to be a a niche video business for, uh, for attorneys, for the legal world. And, and so, but they had started getting a few, you know, a few leads and a few opportunities when it came to more marketing and branding and, and kind of, um, strategy, which is kind of, was my thing. And so just, you know, playing basketball with those guys all the time and talk to them and, and having a dialogue eventually. You know Woody, uh, you know who would be my longtime partner, um, just said, "Hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you come join us? You know, let's 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 bring you in with your specialty, and and let's see what we can do here." And so that's that's when UPG at the time UPG Video Marketing was born. Um, and so of course when I came in, I was like, "Hey, Unlimited Production Group sounds cool, but man, that's a long name. <laughs> that URL is pretty long. Let's 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 shorten it. Let's kind of redo it a little bit." And they were of course open to it and um yeah and then i started the you know the the you know what became upg began you know at that time back in 2009 mm-hmm. um you know and so you know we started it in the middle of a recession right and so that, that, that was not ideal but <laughs> 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 that's a good way to put it it also it, but it, but it looking back yeah it wasn't ideal but there was something else going on that made it the perfect timing. At that moment, 2007 to 2010, video was coming of age as an online storytelling content and marketing tool. And the reason why is, is has to do much more with technology than anything else. So and not to get too in the weeds here and too technical, but the two things that made that possible were and still are bandwidth and compression technology. Mm-hmm. Bandwidth, we all get right. It's like, look, we we all eventually went from. what well, we all? If you're you know older than forty, you definitely did. Uh, we went from having you know dial up to all this, even really slow DSL, and then cable you know cable broadband, and we started having those speeds, and we could do a lot more. Um, that's part of it. That's you know that's that's the that's the part that had to happen. But also compression technology and. This is interesting. Just stay, stay with me here. Compression <laughs> technology has to do with packing the video into a smaller form, sending it through, and then unpacking it at its destination mm-hmm. in a quality form. Mm-hmm. That's all that is. And so you can't stream. You can't just stream a file that main. It's if it's a two hundred gigabyte file, you can't just stream it. Just like you know, like a fire hose all the way through. It's got to be shrunk down, compressed, sent, and then unpacked so you can view it. Right and so, at that time, between two thousand you know seven ish six seven ish two thousand ten, that's when YouTube showed everybody that this can be done at a huge scale, and that's kind of you know um when video as an online tool was born, and so we had but that's not why we started u p g that's not that wasn't factored into you know the uh, the equation of why we should leave our jobs, our, you know, well-paying jobs and go and do this thing and make videos for people. Um, but it was, you know, um, looking back, that's part of the reason why we were successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of business and a lot of uh, video businesses were. Um, and so that was interesting. And so we were kind of off and running, but just because the technology was great and just because it was a, you know, a, a valuable tool or was becoming a valuable tool didn't mean that people were going to show up and start paying us to do it. Right. That's a, that's a totally different, that's a totally different conversation.
0: Or is it? Or oh no. Is it? So I, that was my next question. Um, you, you go into business with these ideas, passions, and it's the, the right time. Um, you didn't plan for it, but it's the right time to, to go into this kind of business. But, um, how did you go about taking a, a craft and a passion and turning it into a successful business? Where did you get your business from?
1: Like where we get, where did we get our customers from? Our yeah. clients. It's, it's better if you call them clients. It sounds a lot better than customers. Partners. Part collaborators. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's 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 a great question. Um, you know so as as the guy who came in and was you know immediately in charge of the you know kind of uh, marketing and 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 branding and content side of the, of our video business that meant that i also had to handle the sales mm-hmm. and look i i was you know i was a you know communications strategist a you know branding guy um you know a producer director a writer Um, all those things. And I was, you know, and I felt pretty confident about all that, but I was not a salesperson. Um, but I luckily came from a family of salespeople. Um, I also, you know, didn't think about it at the time, but you know, uh, I come from a family that's full of, of entrepreneurs and it's, Mm -hmm. I've never wanted my own business stuff. Look at me, never (laughs) wanted my own business. Um, I still can't believe mm-hmm. that I have my own business. It's still, it's like, how the hell did I, how did I get into this? Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, it's, you know, I, I've always felt like I was much more of a lifestyle guy where it's like, look, I just want to go. I want to clock out. I want to go home mm-hmm. and I want to leave everything behind. Well, anybody who's even, you know, anybody who's started their own business to own their own business or has been an entrepreneur in any way knows that's impossible. Right. You know, you can do that in most, a lot of jobs you can. um, you know, and so and so the 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 first thing that I did was just you know we we did you know luckily, I found some people early on who were kind of in the industry, not the video industry but the industry of helping people make money online, mm. those who were in the business of building brands online, those who created websites, those who who um understood the media buying landscape online already, and so i luck- luckily I was able to network my, my way into some great relationships with some great people who were very, very generous and sharing their knowledge. Um, and that's what made it possible is that, you know, we had to figure out something that, you know, we had to figure out where were these decisions being made? Mm -hmm. When did they, okay, we wanted it, you know, our, our, our services, you know, um, you know, are great and everything, we do a great job and all that, yada, yada. Okay. But, you have to understand the buying journey of any product you sell, any service. Where is that moment w- when, you know, when is that moment? Where is it? What context when the idea of, of creating a video campaign or content or whatever it might be, where does that happen? And we figured out pretty quickly with the help of these great partners, um, um, some of them even became mentors, uh, we figured out pretty quickly that they came, those, those moments came from web agencies, you know, those who did and designed and developed websites. And and so we were able to, you know, uh really again have great relationships with some like great like all-time web design and develop agencies here in Austin. And, you know, and and met a lot of people who like I said before were more than just, you know, friends or or people we networked with, but they became um collaborators and and, and mentors to, you know. Um, and I'll drop a few names, you know, uh, you know, your, your, your old boss, you know, Dave Smith over at Envision, uh, Nick Winand, who, you know, at Trademark Media, which is now Mighty Citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are some of those folks that, you know, immediately saw the value in what we brought to the table and we also saw the value in what they do and where they've been. And these are a couple of guys just, you know, there's, and there's several more there's, you know, even guys, you know, that I respect like Aaron Bramwell of monkey boy, all these guys that have been around and done this stuff here in Austin since I was in college, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That they were around when the tech bubble was big and fat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and so, survived it and survived it. And so, and so it, it, they, they, you know, having, you know, them, meeting us and listening to us and kind of how we do things and, and, and what we can bring and how we can help. They were so open-minded and, and really so, um, um, really, again, very gracious and generous with their, you know, with, with their knowledge and, and, um, and time that we were able to really craft the beginnings of what became a, a sales program for UPG mm-hmm. and understanding how people use our service because there wasn't, you know, again, this is pretty new still. There wasn't this 20 year history of how people are going to use what we do to help them, you know, create emotional connections and eventually make more money or, you know, or, um, you know, or, you know, communicate their message better. There wasn't this roadmap yet, you know, online video as a tool was very new. And, um, and so, yeah, that was the beginnings of our sales program was finding great, strategic partners I think is the term that I've, I've been trying to remember mm-hmm. but great strategic partners to help us figure that out mm-hmm. on how people will use what we do best um, and I can tell you that we thought we we knew and holy crap we didn't oh, yeah. and so I think that you've got to figure that out especially when something comes along that's new and, and that is a, a new you know a new not to use a a buzzword, But it's a it's a paradigm shift.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's no longer just images and copy. Suddenly you can engage on a much more emotional level with video if it's mm-hmm. done right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, yeah, those strategic partners were key early on in our success, um, even our very modest success for the first few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so it, it's, you know, so they have it.
0: So I want to um, backtrack on a couple of things and say you mentioned the word luckily a couple of times in the beginning of that story. And I would say that having um, known you and watched you and worked with you through those years, the, the word lucky is not something that I would have put in there Uh, other than, you know, sometimes life does align in the right way with the right people. But what I have seen is, I think, an important note here is that uh, Ben and his team did a really good job of examining, he mentioned that, you mentioned that, uh, what was working, what wasn't working but also just being out there in the mix on a constant basis and being willing to ask questions, ask for help and build the relationships. I know I've heard a lot of um, young people and I asked myself this question all the time um, and still kind of do, how do I, get behind that door where people make decisions mm-hmm. and how do I get in the room where people are making those decisions and it's one thing to sit back and ask that question or to you know put everybody else on a big uh, pedestal or up on a mountaintop and say you know all the people are over there it's not fair or I wasn't in that sorority or fraternity right. I don't have those connections but when you're willing to get out and just say okay I know you what do you know <laughs> and ask the mm-hmm. question and then go you know to say like okay how can can I help you too? And that's the other thing that I saw that, that you and and Woody and your team were able to do is say, yes, I'm, I'm looking to you for, for mentorship and opportunity, but how can I help you as well? And that's what I've seen that you've done with your customers and clients and partners and collaborators along the way. And um, what has helped you to hold on to those relationships and continue to grow uh, and maintain survival uh, at the, at the least and success at the highest through all of the different, um, you know, parts of the journey that you've been on over the last couple of years. So I just wanted to mention that because luck is, is a word that gets thrown around by people who work really hard.
1: Well, it's, you know, the old adage is luck is where preparation meets opportunity Mm -hmm. and, it's fun to say out loud, but sometimes I don't know how in the hell it happened, but it's just <laughs> yeah. there. And sometimes just, just if your eyes are open, you know, and you, and you keep your head up and you're looking, you know, looking down the road and not just at the front of your bumper, I think that sometimes you could see these things happening. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, again, a, a situation of, you know, you know, our, our process at UBG you know, and we're big on, if you go to the website, if you do all these things, you're going to see the word process thrown out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, We believe, we've always believed that anything, you know, anything, anything that you're being paid to create, you know, it better have a really, it better have a, a bulletproof, you know, proven bulletproof process. And we're big on that because ours is much deeper than I think, you know, a normal kind of video company that has mm-hmm. a... You know, a couple of people that you know have some equipment. And they want to do that, and they'll show up with a camera, and that's that's great. Um, and there's a place for that. There always is. There's always going to be. You know, but for us, it's you know we we've we've stolen a lot of 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 plays from the ad agency playbook of of really doing deep discovery, understanding, asking tough questions, challenging our clients' assumptions, mm-hmm. asking why they think certain things, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes those answers are I don't know. Okay, well, let's keep talking about it and we'll figure it out. You know, and so sometimes that process can be a little too, I think, deep or elaborate for some clients, you know, uh, or even some projects. Um, but for us, we've always believed that the more we know, mm-hmm. the better value we can deliver. And I think that that's, you know, that, that's just kind of at, at, at the heart of it. And so... Um,
0: yeah, so I would add to that that um, when you dig deep like that and you ask those questions, the why and the how... From a video standpoint you're able to tell a different story a story that people care about as opposed to um, just previewing the product
1: right and I, and I think that the, the you know the term storytelling comes up and it ha- and it, it became the word storytelling became Ser- it became a buzzword, probably around 2010. And I know a lot of people out there are listening to saying, now. Oh, it was before that, man." It, it, and yeah. yeah, I'm sure, you know. But really, storytelling became a thing to, um, where everything was, "Oh, you got to be a storyteller." You got to be, it's, it's, "What's the story?" You know. And, and Mad Men was around, and it was like, you know, and every ad tells a great, you know, tells a story. Um, and so for us, you know, that that had a different meaning to us too, mm-hmm. and it was important for us. But really, you know, we believe that. That everything that we create for clients, you know, a big part of it is, is we've got to have some sort of audience surrogacy that's in there. You know, we have to, we have to, we want them, we want people who view what we create to feel like, you know, the right, the target audience, we want them to feel like it's about them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not at them. Right. And so, and there's, look, there's, there's, there's times where you just do it at them. There are the, you know, there are these moments. But for us, what we like to do and what we're good at is to, You know, is to establish a main character, is to establish, you know, uh, you know, that storytelling structure, you know, that we all learned, you know, in high school is that there is a rising action. There's a climax, you know, and before that, there's a catalyst and there's character development, you know, and all these things can be applied. Even, you know, I'm talking to tech, to nonprofits, all these things are at play when it comes to telling a good story. And we don't want to tell a good story just because, hey, it's a good story. We tell a good story because that's how you make it mean more to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to say, you know, I I, I would do, you know, I, I don't know how I got myself into it, but I, I, I would do a few, uh, like, in-person presentations at some events. I did a couple of panels here and there, and I don't know if I was very good at it, but I had some fun. <laughs> um, but one of the things I would always say is, and this is when I would talk, I, I gave a, a, a talk in front of uh, a bunch of tech marketers, and in the beginning, that was our first category that we targeted was tech, because it's Austin. If if you can at least do mildly well, like a little bit, you're going to do pretty well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, uh, you know, so what, we, you know, I was you know, kind of giving this, you know, kind of having this discussion and, and, and talking to this group of, of tech marketers. And I said, I was like, one thing we have to realize is that, you know, nobody goes to see Star Wars to see the lightsabers. People go to see Star Wars, you know, they, we watch it because of the characters, because we, you know, because we you know we identify with them you know we have this you know part of us that wants to be a hero or identifies with those who help the hero and we also identify with the hero's journey and you know not not just the journey through a plot but also as a as an individual the changing you know whether that's you know um you know, whether that's becoming you know more understanding of something falling in love whatever that might be we like stories because it helps us understand ourselves, I think. And and so in this in this example that I used, I was like, look, people don't go to you know don't go to the theater, the theater to go see Star Wars because they just want to look at the lightsabers. Um it's because of who's got the lightsabers. And so that was our way of helping to, at this at this at this in this example, marketers who deal with tech, you know, technology and marketing, things that have speeds and feeds and mm-hmm. servers and all this stuff. It's like helping them understand that you're product isn't the hero right it's those who bring your product in to solve their problem and win their story mm-hmm. those they're the heroes mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how we we used to talk about it and um and to this day every once in a while in my head you know on a call with somebody I'll just say lightsabers the lightsaber's not the hero <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean and it's yeah. it's so it's and again I don't and you know if you're still listening to this you know bless your heart. Is some of these, <laughs> I got some of these examples that are, some of them really fall flat. Some of them are pretty good. Um, so just stay with me.
0: No, I love that. And it's also that uh, it's the journey itself that is uh, what people go to see. It's the hero and the journey because mm-hmm. you identify with both. And there's a lot of cool, fancy, you know, flips and lightsabers and, you know, all sorts of Awesome stuff that happens, and you remember those things. But it's the journey and the hero that um, are are what kind of keep you watching it over and over again. And as a marketer myself, I I haven't used that exact um, <laughs> analogy, but I do pull it back and like David Smith with Envision used to you know cars are his thing. So he used to say, you know, you don't. Uh, and I'm gonna get this all wrong because I'm not a car person. He's listening to this right now, right, thinking Steph? Oh God, that's not what I said. Um, but you know, you don't. If you say, uh, you know, it's got you know this rack and pinion steering and all these kind of things. You know, oh, you might get like five percent of the audience. But if you say it turns quickly, it's safe, and you know it's really fast, then you're looking at the benefits of the of the product and not not just the features and you're looking at it on a totally different way. And then if you take that even further into what it does for your family or, you know, what that does personally for, um, for, for your audience, then you're taking it into a place that really matters to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And the old, the old way of saying stuff like that used to be you don't sell the bacon, you sell the sizzle. And as a kid, I never, you know, and even even as a young adult, I was like, I mean, but I don't, I used to be like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, I just like to eat the bacon. (laughs) So, like, it just tastes really good. Like, Mm -hmm. it's great. But I I get it. I'm just making a bad joke. But I always I never liked that adage that much because it, I think it just, I think people like to say sizzle.
0: I think so, too. Yeah.
1: People like to say salsa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like also the, um, you don't sell the bacon, you sell the sizzle. It feels dirty. Like, there's something sneaky about it
1: yeah no it, it is it, it does it's because it's it's i, I always associated that with the old Glen Gary glenn ross sales stuff it's like it's old school and all that but there is there is a there's a a nugget of truth in there is that you know when it comes to technology you don't sell the speeds and feeds and you know the processor speed necessarily it's what you can do and how mm-hmm. it's going to impact your life mm-hmm. and your that's, life your business your family right and that's that's the case no matter if it's video if it's if it's you know if it's direct mail i don't care what it is you know it's you know, for us, we always just wanted to, you know, maintain the position that your brand is not the hero. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that's, you know, we've even got some blog posts on it. You know, uh, my old creative director, Steven, you know, he was big on that too. You know, Ben, you've got to make sure they know when they're coming in here that they, they need to come here knowing that their brand is not the hero. It's those who use it Mm -hmm. to solve their own problems and improve their own lives. They're the hero. And that change, and that just that little, that little small bit that we kind of really doubled down on changed our process in a way that I think helped us um, help our clients even better.
0: Thank you for that. That's really insightful. (laughs) I think there's a lot that can be taken from that. I hope everybody kind of wrote that down and thinks about that in their own business. Um, it's something you have to constantly remind yourself of and make sure that everybody in your organization who has any direct customer interaction understands because the questions and the process are very different when you understand that you and your your company, your brand is not the hero. Your product is not the hero. What it does is the hero, what it does for your customers and for you know the world or whatever it might be nice. So let's go back a little bit. You, when you started UPG Video, you had these two uh, cool partners that had Mm -hmm. their, their skill sets and you brought in the business side and the sales side that you weren't quite comfortable with. Tell us a little bit about that process and that journey and kind of where, where it went.
1: Yeah. So my role uh, ebbed and flowed quite a bit changed over the years. So. 2022 down, this is kind of, you know, kind of 2009 where everything kind of went off and we were off and running, um, as a, as a three person team. Um, you know, my role, um, I, I just, I had, I had much more of an appetite for the business side of things, uh, along with the creative than my two partners. Um, and you know what, they had a much more of an appetite for some of the things that they did that, you know, um, they did very well. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't shoot. I didn't edit. That wasn't my thing. You know, I was, you know, that was, that was Woody's thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he was, you know, he's always been good at that. Um, And so over the years, as we kind of grew, I, you know, evolved from just a guy, you know, look, when you first start out, uh, there's no titles. Mm -hmm. It's just shit, man, let's just get some business and let's just do (laughs) what we like to do Mm -hmm. and find some great people to do it with. And, you know, but then eventually you, you start, you know, things start, processes develop or programs, I should say, sales, you know, the lead gen, the, you know, what, where are we going to, we're going to, are we going to do events? We're going to show up at these events. Are We're going to have a booth. Okay. Let's think about what we're doing. It starts off with these tactical things, but then you realize that after you do a, a few tactical things, you realize quickly, uh, we need a strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, that's when I, um, I became, you know, I took on the title of a, a strategy director. Not just for us, but for our clients as well. Somebody to keep that, you know, somebody to keep that perspective, big picture, and understand and come in and deal with clients, um, and understand kind of kind of the marketing landscape and, and and what opportunities might be out there for them. And so over time, my you know my role evolved into much more of an executive role um, to where you know, I was, I was networking quite a bit. I was, you know, I, we brought on a business coach who was uh, instrumental a guy named Scott Merritt. And, and we brought him on and that really changed us quickly. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I'm not going to say overnight, but it felt like that looking back, um, that, um, we brought him in, uh, to work with Woody and me. And it, it was just, it was fantastic. I mean, he's, he, he, he was really, his, his focus was to help us with sales and growth. Really, it was help us to make more money, help us feed our families. It's kind of how we looked mm. at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in working with him, you know, we were able to really, you know, understand what it means to develop a lead gen program, a sales program, whatever you know, a professional one, one that's 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 actually that would be recognizable to, you know, to most of us instead of just Ben's just going to call a boatload of people and we'll see who answers, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's kind of that's it was a little bit that was it was hope that was driving that strategy for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, Scott helped us really, you know, develop a, you know, these programs. Um, But really, you know, more importantly, he really brought a level of accountability that we didn't know we needed. And, you know, you get with your, you know, some buddies and you start a business and you're pumped about doing what you're, you know, know, your craft and and doing what you do. But I think sometimes, you know, you get the, I kind of, it's kind of like a treehouse effect where it's like, we're just here to play Mm -hmm. where, well, no, no, we're, we're here to, to grow this business. This is a real thing. And I think it's easy to kind of forget about that. You you kind of get immersed in the hey, they're gonna pay us to do this stuff we love to do. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, until we get another one, what are we gonna do? Well, let's, I don't know. Let's go to let's go to the beer garden. Let's go do these things and let's have some fun. And 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 I'm, and I'm happy we did that. But there there needs to be a level of accountability, and we just didn't have that at the time. And so Scott was really great about helping us set goals, helping us understand how to achieve those goals, and then holding us to those you know, to those, you know, uh, goals and and, and making sure that we're accountable. Um, You know, I I thought that just meeting enough people, I would eventually stumble upon somebody who wants to pay us to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, That now you do need to meet a lot of people. You need to kind of get out there, especially if it's a new business. But you need to understand the equation that's that, you Mm -hmm. know, starting with the yes that you did have a client and work your way back and understand the work that went into getting to that point where you actually had somebody giving you money to do what you love Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and understanding all of the, the failure that has to happen, that you have to, that you have to budget time and money for the failure to get to that success. How
0: many conversations,
1: how many conversations are you going to have? And so that was the, it was the, okay, you know, his process was pretty simple and it was, okay, tell me about a yes that you got. Okay. Here's the yes. Okay. Tell me about on that month. How many, how many people, how many sales conversations did you actually have? Like real potential customers? Okay, two or three. Okay, great. Out of that two or three, how many total conversations did you have with with anybody when it comes to, like, when when I'm talking about networking? Like, how many people did you have conversations with in general? People that you didn't know? Okay, well, it was about 25 in that month. Okay, great. And so we know that every month you need to have 25 conversations to get the three potential customers, and then that eventually amounts to one. And so 25 equals one. And that equation helped us understand how, well, helped me understand how I have to build my, you know, build my program and spend my time mm-hmm. every day, every month, every week. You know, a lot of this for a lot of you out there, it's like, well, yeah, no crap. I mean, it makes sense. But look, for us, I mean, we're, you know, creative, creative people. Some of that stuff doesn't occur to us. The mathematics of these things. Absolutely. Um
0: Well, you mentioned craft and and I was talking to Jeffrey Brown in in a previous podcast. He's a documentarian and producer. And um, what he does is exactly what you're talking about is help uh, video professionals understand that, you know, getting behind the camera is just a teeny little piece of what you have to do to make a business of your craft. And, um, you know, same thing with marketing and, and all these things we get into because we have a passion for it. If you're not you know, making a profit, then it's not really a business.
1: Right. It's, it's a club
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. it can be fun, Oh, absolutely! but then, you know, when you have a family and you're looking at, you know, long-term goals and all those kinds of things, then you really have to step back and look at your, your fun and your, your craft and, and your goals in a completely different way. Mm. So then what happened next is you, you got this sales process together and, uh, was it just you and Woody at that point?
1: Yeah. So at, at, we, we had, uh, you know, Kevin. You know, was our other partner. You know, who's was awesome, still is awesome to this day. I love Kevin and his family. You know, he left. He he. You know, he went to pursue. You know, something else. And you know, that was. You know, that was great. You know, for him. we You know, it was a. It was a. It was a. A. You know, a very amicable ending. You know, but he went off to pursue something else, and Woody and I stayed and kind of really doubled down again. I I use the term double down a lot. I don't know how many times I can keep doubling down. I think once you double down, you're double down all the way through, but we keep doing it. And I think when you mm-hmm. have your own business, I think that's kind of the fun, no, it's not going to sound that fun, but it's, that's kind of mm-hmm. the way you talk about it is that we're just going to keep doubling down. It's like, shit, man, how many times can you double down? Well, you know what? You just keep doing it mm-hmm. until it works. Absolutely. Um, and so, I, um, so yeah, so it was Woody, it, Woody, Woody and me. And yeah, we just, we knew we, you know, we came to a point where we knew we needed to bring on people into, we need to bring somebody onto our team. We needed to cross that line and have employees. And that is a huge deal. I don't believe I realized how big of a deal it was when we did it, Mm -hmm. but it's so, so much of a big deal. When you, when you ask somebody to come give eight hours a day, 40 hours a week of their life to your vision, to your dream, that is a huge deal. And I'm not saying that we treated it, you know, you know, flippantly or anything like that. But looking back, it's like man, um, because as we continue this conversation, it's that big deal that eventually becomes part of of a little bit of my demise later on. Um, but it's it's. Uh, but we brought on, you know, we we decided we needed to bring on, you know, scale a little bit and bring on some some people who knew more than we did, you mm-hmm. know, who had something great to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, that's when we brought, you know, we you know after a couple of. After one bad failure of bringing on somebody we shouldn't have, we brought Steven on, who uh, was our first creative director. Um, and, you know, he's he's a guy that his background is, you know, he's a little older than us. He had, spent, he had spent several years, decades, in some of the bigger ad agencies, you know, in the U.S. And so he kind of brought this, this um, you know, this approach, this creative approach that we hadn't experienced. And, you know... I don't know if he, that was his plan or not, but he pretty much came in and he changed us from the ground up. Um, and everything that I wanted, he helped me understand how we could get it from a, from a, from a creative standpoint. My, uh, my goal, the one, the, one of the few goals that I had when we started UPG, I had two goals. One, obviously make enough money to eat and feed my family. But two, I, just, I didn't want to be just some video production company. I didn't want to be just some dudes with gear. I didn't want to be, um, you know, something that could be commoditized, um, because that, that that happens in the creative business, uh, in, in all parts of the creative business. Uh, whether you're a, you know, a, you know, a, you work with Illustrator or Adobe Premiere and video cameras, it happens. Um, and I, I didn't know, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to make sure that what we did for our clients. Was unique. What we did was, um, you know, rose above the just dudes with gear. Um, I wanted what we did to be special, and Stephen brought that to the table of helping me understand how we can do that. And again, like I mentioned, process before, and it was all about that's what it's all about. It's process is that how do we craft our process to get us to a certain point every time? Because you can, you can, you know, you can catch lightning in a bottle when you're when you're a creator there are sometimes you do something you're like holy crap that was fantastic like how did i do that you do, and sometimes you can't answer it well that's unacceptable if you're running a business that relies on doing this over and over and creating an expectation in the marketplace and so steven helped us you know understand what that is and how to keep doing it um plus the guy's brilliant and he helped us understand you know certain operational aspects of what we do um and so you know, right around that time, Stephen he came on board, and we also hired our uh, our our you know um, you know our one of our probably again most important employees in, in UPG's history, uh, Mike, you know Michael Brock, and 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 he's still to this day my editor, um, and uh, you know we got him right out of college. You know, Stephen knew Stephen knew some folks and got a scouting report on this kid and say, hey, this is a this is a kid coming out of college. Let's, let's grab him, see if we can get him in here, and um, again. Right from the start, right when Stephen showed up, he helped us make some really great decisions um, on, um, on personnel and process. And uh, we grew a lot because of that.
0: So that was, those were some of your biggest um, biggest boons. Tell me, was it scary to invest in that level of hiring? Hiring someone that has that much experience and, and um, accolades coming from an agency is not a low-cost
1: it, he let me let me just say this. He was much more affordable than he should have been.
0: <laughs> okay, good for um,
1: you. And and and, good and for you? Yeah, yeah. But he still made more than we did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Almost in his entire tenure at our company. Um, and I think that you know, if you're listening to this and you and you, you run your own business, you, you'll understand that's not that unusual. Is to have somebody come in and be such an important part of your business. That first, really, you know, rock star employee who is on more of a management executive level with you, I mean, it's not crazy. It's not unusual that they would make at least a little bit more than you as an owner, because the problem with being an entrepreneur is I think almost all of us out there, if you're listening, we're all underpaid, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we all f- always felt that way. Um, that's just the way it goes. I mean, it's, you know, some of us, you know, strike gold a little quicker. And I think get that, get that salary up. Um, you know, but back then we were just, you know, a couple of dudes, you know trying to you know trying to help clients make emotional connections and make and do that with video we weren't thinking about anything else and so not making as much money as somebody else just didn't bother us at the time it was we were doing good work and we were working with people that we really respected and enjoyed um and that's what mattered to us soon after steven came aboard and we 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 started really embedding the creative development aspect of what we do not just producing and creating Video content, you know, advertising and marketing, uh, video collateral, but also we were the idea engine behind it, and we got a couple of pretty, you know, pretty. Uh, we were able to win a couple of a, a couple of accounts where they paid us to come up with these come up the ideas and create the the commercials, mm-hmm. and we did it for some, you know, for a couple of of of, of you know regional brands that I think that, that were pretty respectable, and we had fun doing it. I mean, one of our, you know, a couple of our commercials had zombies in them. And so, I mean, like, look, we had a good time. But it was effective for the customer as well. Um, and so once we started that, that's kind of when we took our first big leap in growth, both from a revenue and, unfortunately, overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but um, but, yeah, I mean, that was a big deal is when we were able to really start, capitalizing on our creative development skill set and not just be okay, hey, what are we making a video about? Okay, well what's the main three messages messaging points we need to do? Okay, great, okay, I'll be there tomorrow, we'll shoot it. Mm-hmm. Now this was a this is a five to six week process of it was very, very again, we borrowed it from the ad agency world where we bring it in, we we spend time, we come up with ideas and potential directions, creative directions for a campaign. We pitch them they they pick one of the directions, we refine it, we start producing scripts and, you know, storyboards and all that, and then we go do it. Um the difference is, is that we would have invoice we would be paid retained before we do the creative development work. Whereas in the ad agency world a lot of times it's you whoever has the best idea wins and you have to do a lot of spec work. Well we weren't gonna do any friggin' spec work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's just we couldn't afford it. Right. Which is not gonna happen. Um, and so yeah, we were able to score on a few of those, and and that really kind of helped us, you know, um, start broadening our vision and getting excited about what we could be.
0: And you guys were doing really well, and and you had this thing rolling. What happened, or where did um, Woody? When did Woody decide to exit the business?
1: Um, I think that was around 2016, 17. So it was about five years ago ish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so it was it was. Before I kind of talk about the 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 end of our partnership, I think it's you know I want to throw out there that you know when something ends, and I think it's it's good and, and i I've, I've you know um, I've heard somebody talk about it when it comes to divorce as well is that it's important that when something ends that you have good perspective on it and I think for me, this wasn't a failed partnership mm-hmm. it wasn't it was very successful um it was my second favorite partnership I've ever been in only to the partnership with my wife. Um, that it just ended, Mm -hmm. you know, and there can be an ending without being a failure. You know, it's just the way it ended, you know? And at, at, there was just a point where he, you know, he, I wanted something from the business. He wanted something different. And we both, you know, we both thought, you know, felt that it was you know, better if, if we go our own ways to pursue it. Um, You know, and luckily, you know, and I I know you're it's not like this is luckily. so You can't correct me on using the word luckily again. (laughs) Luckily, he's, you know, one of the best people I've ever met that he is is genuine and as gutsy as anybody I've ever I've ever been around. Mm -hmm. And that made it that made the end really clean and respectful and full of 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 gratitude and that's something that no matter what ends up happening with UPG from here, you know, until I, you know, I'm know, done working, um, I'll look back as uh, the, the way that that ended as one of our, our greatest accomplishments. And it seems weird that that would be I would never have felt like I would never have thought years ago that that's the way I would feel like you're going to think that the way you ended a partnership is an is accomplishment. Hell, yeah, because I love the guy. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and I know he loves love me and I still, that. and I still, and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, and that happened and and again, we're going to keep talking about kind of how UPG changed dramatically over the next few years. And that was something that I, you know, wanted to maintain that satisfaction regardless of financial burden. Um, and if you want, I'll, I'll start going into it. So, you know, so, um, you know, there came a point where, you know, my partner and I split, you know, I took, You know, I took the company um, and, um, you know, my, uh, you know, emotional and mental health started to really, you know, really kind of, you know, go downhill, started taking a hit. Um, You know, the, having a six or seven employee company, when you you depend on a almost, uh, you know, contract to contract, one-off to one-off business model and sales mm-hmm. model that's exhausting
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was the primary primary the only salesperson on the team and so it was up to me to you know to you know to to bring on the bacon and and you know and all that and I don't know why I never used that saying I'm not sure why I just did it because the, the bacon, bacon and make sizzle. It sizzle. <laughs> it sizzle things on my head now um and so it was all on me and so I began I began to live and die on every single you know, proposal that went out. Mm-hmm. And that's a horrible way to run a business. Mm-hmm. It's a Very horrible. Very anxiety provoking. Absolutely. And it, and it's, it's, especially if you are in it because of the lifestyle mm-hmm. and the people and the work that will kill it.
0: It's a long way from going back to the tavern with Woody. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Just hanging out. Absolutely. You know, and, and so, um, stakes were high and, you know, and at the time, You know, we had, like I said, it was, we had kind of gotten down to about five employees at the time and I still had to create a director. It wasn't Steven. Um, and which was, you know, that was a big hit when he left. Um, um, and then we, you know, we had our, our, you know, our producer, we had a couple of producers and an intern and an editor. Um, Mm -hmm. and
0: and you a know, lot of contractors that for every gig you'd, you'd figure out who yeah, was going to do exactly. what you exactly you scale up and rent you, know, you the scale gear. up and
1: down you know to get all that stuff and you have to you know kind of really you know take a different tool set to every project mm-hmm. um and uh, so we we so we had the you know we had these employees and walking into the office every day and putting on a happy face putting on a positive face you know kind of not letting them see you were you know, the fear behind your eyes at every staff meeting, you know, um, that's a real tough thing. And that really, that is, you know, when you do it over the course of a few years, it's a whole new level of emotional exhaustion. And I didn't want, I don't want them to know my pain. I don't want them to have any of this burden of trying to keep this business afloat. I didn't want them to know that there were, two or three pay periods where we barely made payroll Mm -hmm. by by like a few bucks that we made it I don't want them to know these things and I still believe that to this day that that's just not that's not what I'm they don't get paid enough to burden what I do Mm -hmm. to take on my burdens as well so I didn't want to give that to them and so I don't regret shielding them from this stuff it's just it kicked my ass not stop mm-hmm. and it removed every fun aspect of of what I did for a living and the company that I had helped build um and it became clear that the vision that we had you know that we hatched and that I had now was not going to work um and at the same time this was all happening personally I was going through something that also had a high exhaustion level and high stakes and, um, you know, I would say uh, hopes that were not, you know, were not fulfilled. You know, my wife and I went through a, you know, we have a, you know, we have a 10-year-old son and he's amazing. Um, but, you know, our vision, you know, um, was to, you know, to have a lot of kids. You know, we were you know, she came from, you know, a, a bigger family. I kind of came from a, a mixed, but still, there's four of us. You know, mm-hmm. d- different parents in some cases, but still felt big. And so that's what we wanted. And so our vision, our vision, you know, um, was that. And uh, we we had to go through uh, a very um, painful um, fertility experience over the course of three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, unsuccessful and not only unsuccessful that we experienced a lot of losses along the way. Um, no, I appreciate that. And, and so it was, you know, there was, you know, and um, it's not, it was just a remarkable parallel, remarkable parallel between what was going on in my business as what was going on at home mm-hmm. is that you have a vision, you have dreams. And when those when you realize that the the hopes and dreams that you've built your life around for several years are no longer going to happen, that creates uh, uh, you know a a very I don't even know what the word I don't know if there's a, a word that can describe it, but it's so disruptive that it it shakes you to the core. And I had both of those going on at both home and at, at the office, and so I was exhausted from a professional, you know, standpoint of, of my job. I was devastated personally going through what we did. Um and you know, it was and so it, it, it made things you know, it made me very it it made me very not risk averse going forward. It made me kind of stakes averse. Where when there's high stakes and things matter big time, I was done with that, mm-hmm. um, and I realized then that um, that the only way forward as 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 UPG goes, the only way forward is to begin to shrink down the company, to remove the stakes, to to, to, to lower the stake, the everyday stakes, to to um, you know, and so at that point, you know, it's a year or two after after you know. Uh, Woody and I split. I stopped hiring back with positions that people left. I laid off a couple, I fired one guy. I, I laid off a couple people. Um, and then, um, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, um, you know, blessings of, of the pandemic was that it hastened all of that. It made that happen quicker. And, um, I am happy that throughout that process of shrinking down the company that I took care of people. Um, I'm really, you know, there was a, there was a moment where I felt like maybe I was a little too generous and, you know, too nice giving two months pay, you know, keeping healthcare going for afterwards for a while, all these things. Um, but you know, luckily I had my wife in my ear, And she was like, this is, this is, this is what you, 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 this is what you want. You know, these, these guys have come to work every day, giving a big portion of their lives to you, trusting you you working their butts off in a job that's more pleasure than it is payment, you know? And so, you know, and so, yeah, I'm like, all right. So I, I did that. Um, and, uh, again, that along with, with how Woody and I ended it, um, that was, you know, some of my, maybe my finest hour those things and so it's weird how you look back and I don't think about some of the big accounts that we scored and some of the big projects and some of the awards that we won and and all this stuff and all you know and working with big brands I don't look back and think about those things as being highlights although they're great and I'm very proud about that and I'm proud of the work my team did to make those happen but it's those personal moments those you know gratitude moments that I look back and I'm happy that I did it the way I did it. If I hadn't have done it that way, I'm a guy who does regret things. I'm a guy who holds grudges. I'm a guy who looks backward too often mm-hmm. and they would have eaten me. It would, it would have eaten me up. And that's the last thing I needed. Um, so, and so, yeah, so we got down and I had, it was just Mike and me in this 200 uh, 2,500 square foot office that I was paying, you know, a, a boatload of money every month at a studio and, and uh, I I told him you know in 2020 you know he and I were pretty on he knew he knew what was going on eventually because he was the last employee so obviously um, but he and I were, we had a, a very honest dialogue and and really developed a really even deeper relationship you know as friends and I let him know that hey in the next year you know it's it's a transition year and UPG is going to go full to full 1099 no employees and then the pandemic happened and they canceled Southwest Southwest which is a big chunk of money uh, for every you know, creative and content, you know, content creator, I should say in Austin. Mm-hmm. And so at that point I'm like, Hey man, it's, we're done. And, um, luckily I also had a landlord that, uh, was very, very, um, very, very, he was a, a great guy and understood what was going on. And he just let us out of our lease. And that's, mm-hmm. again, it's that just a fortuitous turn of events. That, I mean, again, I, to this day, you know, thanks Jeff. Mm-hmm. If you're out there. Um, so anyways, so they have it. But at that point when that happened, I was at one of the lowest I've been in my adult life. Was at that point when you know, when you move out of an office and you close that door that has your your logo on it, your sign. When you do that and walk out for the last time. It's uh, it's a very again, you <laughs> I did. I walked out, I turned around, I took a selfie with me in front of the, in front of the logo sign, in front of our door. And I was happy that I was done with the move out. And then you get in your car and you sit down, you, you know, you you turn the ignition and then it hits you and you turn off the ignition and you sit there and you cry. That's what happened. But that was, that was the beginning of of a new vision. And that's something I didn't understand at that point. Um, and, um, it's, I'm, excited you know uh, you know now looking back I was like that was a tough moment but it was the start of something new um, something great something that's still building something that's still growing um, and um, it's nice to 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 be at this point now and be able to have that perspective on things because I did not have it when it happened.
0: Thank you for sharing all that Ben. For me the biggest lesson in everything that you just said is yeah you know life is a series of of changes. It's it's never stagnant. And that's one of the things that's beautiful about it, but it's also the thing that is scary. Mm -hmm. And we want to be on top all the time. We want to be in those successes, but it's not necessarily those successes that are where you find your greatest, um, joy or sense of pride. And looking back at, at everything that you just talked through, and I know that there's even more you know, depth and breadth to to all of those those stories and, and everything that wasn't shared, um, it is uh so wonderful to look back and, and see all the relationships and all the successes, but also the grace in which you handled um all of those situations and the fear that you were able to overcome. So now that you are uh, running UPG on your own and it's contract only, what do you see happening now and into the future?
1: Well, I think that you know, uh, consistently good work is always, you know, is always really obviously really important. And so, the great thing is that after I converted it to you know, uh, you know, a, a no employee kind of business model, is that I'm still working with the same five guys
2: mm-hmm.
1: with everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And they've stayed with me, and I think that's 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 the thing that is just very. It's it's been very 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 encouraging, and and just gives me a real positive feel looking forward, and also gives me a sense of optimism, and also a sense of a sense of of you know whenever we you know, a new challenge comes my way, that like oh, we we'll, we'll kick ass at this because I've got a great team still, and that's something I was afraid of.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I throughout that whole process of kind of winding the company down. You know, I took a, a meeting somebody a friend of mine said, Hey, you should meet so and so. She's she does this thing and she does some work here, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay. And I've only I only saw her once. I forgot her name and that's bad. I'll have to go back and figure it out. But I forgot her name. She was she was kind of a jerk because of how absolutely just straightforward and honest she was, which I like that. And I'm not saying that people who are straightforward and honest are jerks. I mean I can be. But but like she just she when i told her about what i was doing and i was thinking about this and that and she goes I, she stopped me and she was like why do you have employees why 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 are you paying you know why do you have all this going on and and so and it was one of those moments where i was like she's a jerk mm-hmm. but that stuck with me mm-hmm. it was a moment that was i asked myself why do I? And the answer was I was afraid. I was afraid that the work would suffer. I was afraid that consistency would suffer. I was afraid that we—I I would look weak. That UPG would look weak. And here's the thing. That wasn't the case. That's not what happened. You know, it's not. We are not. We are stronger. You
3: mm-hmm. know what we
1: do. Our work has gotten better. Um, our, our, you know, um, uh, because of the lack of of overhead and and um, um, stakes that I, that I used to have. I can say no to things that don't fit us that well, mm-hmm. and when you can, when you feel like you can say no, that is probably the greatest freedom an entrepreneur I think ever feels. Is the power, you know? There's actually a book called "The Power of a Positive No,"
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's I've I've you know look I've read it cover to page twenty five because you get it pretty easy. <laughs> A lot of those books you get in the first like three or four chapters, you're like, I get it. And, it, and and I felt great, and I'm like, okay, cool. But the power of a positive no, the the whole the, the feeling behind it is, is that the best thing for you, most times, is to say no.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I've had we've all a lot of people listen to this. You've probably had clients that have come back to you that you said no to two or three years ago because they weren't a good fit because they didn't have a budget, but you did it in a way that was a positive no,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they come back. I've had that happen you know, several times. Um, is that so there is a there is a power to know that I think that to a positive no that I think we all need to take a minute and just appreciate mm-hmm. is that saying no, even when you need the money and you're like, holy shit, I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. But I, you know, what I'm not going to do is work do that project. You'll work it out. And I think there was this fear before I did all this that I wouldn't be able to work it out, that I wouldn't have a good, you know, a good level of work anymore, uh, like quality of work. And again, like I've been saying, that's just not the case. There's there is fantastic light, not even just light at the end of the tunnel. It's there is life at the end of the tunnel Mm. and it's been fantastic. And I think it's made the work better when you, you know, when you can have these conversations outside of the employment context, you know, I look, I miss having a team every day sitting in the room with me and down in the bunker. I miss that a lot. And that's one thing that I'm trying to figure out how I get that back. But i do i we've gained a sense of 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 collaboration that we didn't have before um when you have somebody sitting in front of you who's on your team and you're kind of in in the boss kind of mm-hmm. position when you're when they're salaried they're, i don't know if you get true honesty
2: mm-hmm.
1: when they're not salaried at least in my experience, I get a lot more honesty and I get a lot more brutal honesty in some cases about about how the project's going and how we can make it better mm-hmm. you know I've been called out and that's a mean way of putting it but I've been you know called out by people I trust that I you know, freelancers that I work with about like why are we doing it this way why not this why why yes to this and not this and I think it's important to have that discussion and have that honesty honesty is what makes good creative
0: mm-hmm Good work in general.
1: It's it's on, honesty about the audience, honesty about who they are, what they want, what's going to make them say yes, and what's going to also, you know, make, make them, you know, have them, you know, have their hearts fill and me- remember that you did that. Um, it also is honesty about what it is that your, you know, your agency can do for them and how you would do it and honesty about budget. So, you know, honesty is important. And I think that that's one of the big things that I've got, I've gained out of this whole thing with this new way of, you know, doing things with UPG is that. I think there's just a lot more honesty mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the process, um, and as I've said many times, process is paramount. It's you, you can't see us in the studio right now, but I, I try. I'm keep trying to drink water, and we've got these headsets on. We look like, you know, like like you know, we're calling a basketball game. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to drink my water, and it's been very difficult. Um, I keep just hitting the bottle onto the microphone. Steph's taking notes. She's like, "We got to cut this part." <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I mean so it's 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 been look there still is a development, a personal development that I'm working on there still is a lot going on. I'm still not comfortable with a lot of things that I used to be. I'm not as good you know in, in networking contexts and stuff like that i i there was a point where i I said to myself, I'm just tired of being full of shit and mm-hmm. i felt like the more and more i tried to be mr how many meetings a month and how many people I have to meet it became about that and i lost the human aspect of this thing i lost the relationship aspect as i said if you're still with us you know you know an hour ago when i was this podcast started i talked about how it in the beginning we got we were able to to start getting our first clients because of fantastic relationships strategic partnerships and over time trying to make your quota in sales you forget about that Mm -hmm. that it's the relationship that is the engine Mm -hmm. it's not there is a little bit of a numbers game but it really isn't the numbers game that helps you win it's the people game it's the relationship game and I forgot that over 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 those um, three or four five dark years and now I'm getting back to that and that's great the problem is though is that I still need to grow my network Mm -hmm. I still need to meet great people I want to You know, what can I deliver to other people? Not just what can I take from new people. It's, I mean, just, you know, relationships are two-way streets. It's not just, hey, I want to make sure they know my name. So when they know somebody that wants to pay me to do something, they'll do it. No, it's it's my, my most profitable relationships have been the ones that I have given back the most as well. Right. And I think that that's, I lost sight of that. And, you know, now I've, I've gotten that back. I just need to figure out how to expand it a little bit. So if you're listening to this, you can email me at, no, I'm just kidding.
0: Go for, actually, I was just saying, what's your, what's your website, Ben?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, our website is, uh, upgvideo.com, um, upgvideo.com. And I mean, it's, you're going to see all sorts of different stuff. You know, who else you're going to see on that website is you're going to see a video, um, that's on the homepage, second from the left, and you'll see a thumbnail of, the lovely Stephanie Silver. <laughs> She's in one of these videos. And so I definitely encourage you to watch that one at minimum. <laughs> so, uh, but no, no, I, I, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's um, um, throughout my career, throughout, you know, throughout my journey with UPG, every moment, it seems like that I'm the most happiest about have, has to do with the, caretaking of relationships and i want to make sure i continue that and i I don't have all the answers i don't know what's going to happen next all i know is you know if i can keep doing great work with great people and i think everything else will take care of itself um i don't know i could be full of shit we'll see (laughs) find out if he is next year after the break (laughs)
0: Thank you so much, Ben. I've really enjoyed the conversation and your honesty. It's been absolutely fantastic.
1: I hope people listening to this aren't, if you spent the whole hour or however long she she could cut this down to 10 minutes. She might. Um, But I hope it was worth your time. And uh, thanks for bringing me in to talk about it. I love being around you.
0: Thank you. I love being around you too, Ben. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision, so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.